I think it was so great because till then I was working in this French fine dining restaurant. And for me to have this transition from that to Monfuku, when it's for me, it's very liberating and free and open. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Unjo Park is one of my favorite chefs in New York City. And on this great episode, we talk about her time working at Momofuku Kawi, as well as her life growing up outside Philadelphia and her mastery of kimbap. Oh, I love her cooking so much. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Unjo Park, welcome to This Is Taste. So great to see you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to catch up. We, we've, we've been, you know, DMing and texting and, and you're part of Korea World and we'll get into your, your amazing participation. How the hell have you been? Great. Um, I moved back to New York two years ago. Um, and then I've been private chefing and taking it slow and taking care of myself. Yeah, that's we can get a little bit into the private chefing world. That's a whole universe that's so fascinating. The bear, need, they need to do a bear for private chefs. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And you know what's crazy is that um, private chefing, I think it used to be not something that chefs are not proud of. But now with social media and TikTok, it's very out there. And it's cool to see how the private chefing world is now kind of more visible. Yeah, so definitely. Cool. It's definitely a very, uh, you know, up in like DJ Khaled's gram, his chef is up there now. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so we were talking off mic. I'm going to Don Don tonight, which is a brand new Korean restaurant. And it seems we can talk about the, the landscape uh, uh, in New York. Is There's always new openings. It's It's such an exciting time. And you're like, yeah, you agree. It's definitely um exciting time. Uh, I think the Korean food, the mo- modern Korean food especially, is booming, in, especially in New York City. Um, it's really cool and fills my heart to see all this younger generation of Korean chefs or Korean-American chefs defining their like identity through this their their version of Korean food. So it's really fun. It's it's so fun to follow. And it seems like right now there aren't any rules, right? I mean, there are rules, meaning like economic rules. You got to like make mm-hmm. money. But like place like Ari Ari, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've been there. I've been there. That place Very is fun. really fun. It feels like it could be like Sangsu or Hanam in Seoul, mm-hmm. one of the a cool Seoul neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has an incredible long line and mm-hmm. hard to get into. Mm-hmm. What are what are some other places that you're interested in right now? Um, I mean, Ari Ari is part of the Hen Hospitality. Right, right, um, right. I think Hen Hospitality is really crushing um, with all these small concept restaurants. Yep. And... And I think they're all very thoughtful too, bringing very traditional one from Korea and mixing it in here. Um, have you been to Oktongshik? I have. So Oktongshik is is gumtang, right? Or uh, dej, yeah, dejji gumtang. Right, right, right. Um, I think it's really cool to have like a Korean restaurant focuses on just like one type of one type of food. Yeah. Um, and hope to see more. Of it. Yeah, that restaurant, you know, does the, the, the bone broth, but then it has incredible mandu as mm-hmm, well. I love mm-hmm, the mandu there. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of like be- be- beju kimchi or some kind of kimchi, um, mu kimchi. Um, but it, it's it's an exciting time for modern chefs. Mm-hmm. It is very exciting time. Um, 
And to be very honest, like it excites me to, to see all these chefs thriving. And part of me, there's a little ache in me because I'm not part of it yet. So hoping it, it's definitely uh, encouragement as, you know, a, someone who used to be part of that community. And now I'm in a very, you know, separate or by myself in a private chefing area. As a Korean chef, not being part of, but seeing from an, as an outsider, um, it's ins- inspiring at the most. Completely. Mm-hmm. And I hope it encourages a lot of younger generation, not just Korean, but any eth- different ethnic other than this fancy European chefs, you know. Like I see a lot of Taiwanese chefs thriving, um, Chinese chefs, Filipino chefs, you know. So it's really cool. I want to set some context here because it's important when we're talking about the modern scene. What you were doing at Kawi, you know, when you opened it, it was Momofuku's first Korean restaurant, like legit Korean restaurant. And that's a word that we can talk about. But in one year and you closed because of the pandemic, I'm very sure you would have still been here. Kawi would have still been here without the pandemic. In one year, you became a food and wine best new chef, which I think outside of a beard is the highest, highest honor you can get. You were on Pete Wells' Top 10 Restaurants of 2019 and Eater's Best Restaurants of 2019. This restaurant was amazing. I got to go three times, and I remember each meal vividly. Um, one time I went with Akira Kudo, and we sat at the counter, and we had all your kimbaps, and it was so so cool to to try your food. But I want to ask you about Kawi. Did you feel when Dave Chang asked you to be the chef there that you were going to do something that would become this? Well, to talk about Kawi, um, it brings back a lot of emotions. And actually, Kawi closed one day before our anniversary. So oh, we no. had a nice 364 days of operation. Oh, um, and you worked 364 of those days. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, wor- we worked a lot. Yeah, you did. Um, I mean, when Chef Dave and I had our first conversation regarding his up- upcoming project in Hassan Yard, I... I remember sitting down talking to him and I didn't take it seriously, to be honest, because it was such a huge project with a lot of money. And I just didn't think I was ready to take that role um, because, you know, professionally, I've been cooking more than 10 years at that time, but I've deliberately avoided being a sous chef Mm -hmm. because I just loved being a line cook and learning and I wanted to travel, just learn different cuisines. So I, for him to ask this person who has no managing skills to run this giant project, I thought he was crazy. I thought he lost his mind. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is an interesting uh, dilemma when he sees someone with such talent working the line and you worked at Co Mm -hmm. for almost three years. You worked at Thomas Keller and we'll get into a little bit about that time. But for him to ask you to jump from the line to executive, I mean, wow. What what, what did he see then? It must have been something. That's the biggest reason why I decided to take it. Although I knew I wasn't ready. I'm a very self-conscious person and insecure person. And I'm sure if Dave didn't reach out, I would have never considered that I'll be ready to take that kind of a role. Um, But to have Chef Dave, who I worked for and consider as a mentor, to believe in me, to even offer that position, 
I figure he saw something that maybe I didn't see in myself yet. So although I didn't believe in myself, I decided to believe in, in him for him believing in me. Let's go over some of those early menu items when you open, because I feel like, wow, you were doing, of course, multiple kimbaps, but you were also doing large format jungles, and you were doing, I think, some incredibly like detail-oriented uh, protein courses, mostly mm-hmm. beef. And um, it was really, it felt right in Hudson Yards. I think that's why those, many of the critics have gave you lots of praise because there were a lot of bad restaurants in that place, in that mall. I mean, really not a great restaurant scene happening in Hudson Yards, but Cowie was the one shining light in that, in that mess there. What were you cooking there that was so, I think, I'm going to say influential, and it goes back to the earlier conversation about the young chefs and making New York the most exciting Korean-American restaurant scene in, 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 right now. Mm-hmm. But what were you making? Well, we, when I was finally on board, um, and I think first thing we did was, what's the name going to be? We didn't talk about, we knew nothing about what it was going to turn out to, but we knew it was going to be some somewhat Korean. And... We finally decided with the name Kawi, which means scissor in Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, scissor in Korean cooking is such an instrumental tool, not just in the kitchen, but also in dining room. So starting with the name Kawi and how we can incorporate that with table-side service. Mm-hmm. And so we used to cut rice cakes with table-side service. Of course, the noodles. Naemyeon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but also, kawi is another take on kawi baibo, which is rock scissor paper. Okay. So it's kind of like playfulness in there. And the food ended up being, I want to say it was a reflection of my identity, which was Korean-American. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a Korean immigrant from Korea to States when I was 11, struggled with the culture, especially with language. Um, and I think I've always been in that gray area, feeling very lost, like not fitting in Korean society or American society. And I thought that was my weakness. Mm. But cooking with Dave to create this restaurant, it was almost like finding my identity as well. Because through cooking what I grew up with, what and it's not always Korean food. Cause, so 11 years in living in Korea... And rest of it, I grew up in states, so I do feel very strong on both culture. And to make that make sense to me, to create like bringing it in together, um, and that was Kawi. Uh, we did a lot of like a fun, playful things with kimbap. Uh, rice cakes that we extruded in house. I know you making um, your own rice cakes for duck. I mean, th- like making your own rice cakes. Duck is so difficult, mm-hmm. and you were doing it mm-hmm. there. I mean, I got only into like the fresh duck when I was working in Korea, mm-hmm. and you go to this duck duck chip is a house where they make it, and when you try their fresh extruded rice cakes, it's another level. It's not just chewy, but it's different type of soft chewiness that it is so good, and. If I wanted to use rice cakes in the menu, I for sure wanted to make the best rice cakes to start with to showcase that, you know, there are better rice cakes that other than the ones that you can buy from H Mart. Did you ever have the rice cakes at Arang on 32nd Street? 
those oversized. Do you remember that place that that pocha? No, go there? I don't think so. They had these amazing rice cakes that were like triple the size of normal duck. Oh, really? And it was like made with cheese. It's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. dishes. Um, how were the numbers at Kaui when in March 2020? Were you were you doing all right? No, I remember beginning of March. Um, everyone was confused, not knowing what's happening because right. the news was starting to come up, and it was getting more serious. And mall was empty. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember our like last week before we closed the reservation, we had like four covers for the lunch and less than twenty covers for dinner. Um, and we closed on the fourteenth, but. Our last service, I think, was on 13th and not realizing that it was the last service. Yeah. Friday the 13th, March 2020, very famous day. I think we've talked about on the show. It's like the day everything shut down. I think a lot of us had final meals that day. I recall vividly where I was in Brooklyn. What was that last service like, your last time cooking at Kaui, this restaurant that will always live as a legend in in our in the history of New York dining? Um, It was just like any other day, like. Cause I didn't know. No one knew that it was gonna. This was gonna be the last time we'll be cooking in the restaurant. Wow. Um, we thought, or I thought personally, okay, this seems pretty serious. That maybe month or two we'll we'll come back. So our kitchen was still packed, packed with containers of kimchi, pickles, freezers full with you know frozen crabs. So we were ready to take a break because we gave all the produce to the team, but we were also ready to come back within yeah. two months. Oh, right. It was like the short, we're going to be right. We'll see you. We'll see you in a bit. Yeah. Like it's going. Like that, was it. <laughs> uh, that was it. That was it. Wow. It's, it, we, we can move on from Kawi, but I think it's, I'm glad that we could get that down, the, the, the kind of brief but important mm-hmm. history of, of Momofuku Kawi. And now Momofuku isn't, doesn't have much of a presence in New York. I think mm-hmm. we've, Momofuku Sam closed down at Seaport. I know you worked there a little bit after you left Kawi. Uh, and then news recently that Momofuku Co is is I know you're you're making a face of of sadness is is no more. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your time at Co. From bottom of my heart, working at Co as a line cook was a highlight. You know, as a line cook, I had such a fun time there with really talented chefs. Um, I think it was so great because. Till then, I was working in this French fine dining restaurant. And for me to have this transition from that to Momofuku, when it's, for me, it's very liberating and free and open. Um, and especially working at Co, where you're serving and cooking right in front of the guests and seeing the guest reaction. Uh, I've learned a lot. Um, I grew more as a person too, because I had to talk to people and I'm a very private person. Um, and I it definitely boosted my confidence and wanting to learn more about what I want to cook, which is Korean food. Mm-hmm. So like at that time, Dave Chang was working there. Sean Gray was working there. Mm-hmm. I, Chef Dave was around. Well, around, um, right. Yeah, but it was Sean Gray and Josh Pinsky. Right, Josh Pinsky as well. And I, I think the the closing of Co is a kind of inspired some very mixed like recollections of the Co's importance, and I'm not going to call it anyone because it's their take. But I, I feel it's it's strange to to not give Co its due. Mm-hmm. And when you saw, talk about quick working the line at Co, you mean you were switching dishes daily 
at mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like a lot of tasting menus where you're, you're, you know, it's a fixed menu uh, for a season or even a year. You're like really riffing there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At Co, they gave more freedom to the cooks to create their own dishes, um, which and which came through the Kenya Bay. Um, I remember lunch was longer. It was like four hours to eat and the menu changed constantly through the market and what's good at the market. Yeah, I mean, the market driven is like a cliche at this point, but Ko doing a tasting menu with the expectations and the stars and the beards, it's it's very difficult to to be that inspired and 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 kind of improvisational for a tasting menu. That's why Co is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, all you guys had six skills. Like you guys were very sk- talented chefs. Let's go back to Philadelphia. So you moved to Korea. You moved from Korea when you were around eleven, right? And and you moved to Philadelphia. So I want to get a sense of what food was like when you moved to Philadelphia. And you had, uh, you know, you were from Korea, but you had an identity that was then starting to be rooted in America. What's the food like? Um, in Korea, mostly raised in Seoul. But um, when I was in second grade, my family moved to very countryside. Um, so my grandparents can help my sister and I to, they can watch us while my parents, they actually had a Korean, like a Japanese restaurant. Right. So uh, most of the time it was just my sister and I just ro- like roaming around the countryside with this neighborhood kids. Um, and it's fondest memory where, you know, it was very innocent. There's no internet, uh, there's no cell phones. So it's really with the nature you know, like very seasonal too during fall. Like you, I remember just like shaking this chestnut tree for the chestnuts, ginkgo nut trees. And we would just like start a bonfire. This mm-hmm. like elementary school kids, which is very dangerous. Yeah, right. <laughs> country, country living uh-huh. there. Yeah. And then we would just roast them and eat them. And I have this really good memory. And from there, um, our family immigrated to... Pennsylvania. I do say Philadelphia because it's very easy to say, yeah. but I am actually like 40 minutes away. Okay. Of So it's Bucks County. Right. Okay. Bucks County. A little Bucks different. County. A little different living there. It yeah. wasn't a city life. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and I have many first time eating memories. And my first meal was chicken nugget from the stop, the rest stop. Mm. And, and, I thought it was a ketchup, but I did it, but it was not ketchup and I was so confused and it ended up being the barbecue sauce. Oh. So that was my first I mean, American food experience. A positive experience for your first time tasting barbecue sauce? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think I was just shocked because I didn't know what it was. But, you know, other than eating American cafeteria food at school, um, it wasn't a huge change because even other than that, we ate mostly Korean at home mm-hmm. made by our parents. And, you know, at that time, they didn't have H-Mart. So we would drive like 40 minutes once a week to go grocery. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we tried to eat American food. And I remember like Thanksgiving dinner, we had this amazing roasted like golden brown turkey but they were so dry inside, yeah. um, you know, mashed potatoes from the box with the gravy packs. 
Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. th- that's 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 interesting that you would you would have a little bit of American food, you know, inching in, but you, it was mostly Korean mm-hmm. cooking at home. So I'd love to get a sense of what some of the dishes were that your folks were making Korean style at mm-hmm. home. Um, I think we our family were spoiled to eat a really good Korean food in Korea. Yeah, because my grand grandfather had a small farm and he would grow anything that we needed it. So um, even till now, they send us a a giant box, I think like twice a year with their housemate, gochugaru, which is chili flakes. Amazing. They would extract their perilla oil and sesame oil and all the dried vegetable that we can soak it and rehydrate it and cook it. It felt like kind of we're still connected from Korea. Yeah, because mm-hmm. getting that sesame oil... At the local H Mart or the version of H Mart, it was not the same. You can't compare. You it. can't compare uh-huh. it from, from Korea uh-huh. when you have your, and it's amazing when you can actually buy Korean mm-hmm. s- uh, perilla oil. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I try to seek that out myself. Um, when did you know you wanted to go professional? When you wanted to actually go to culinary school and become a professional chef? Uh, I've always enjoyed watching or looking at the photo of cookbooks. Um, I didn't have cable, so I watched a lot of PBS during after school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember eighth grade, I took home ec class. Um, that was my first actual experience, like cooking non-Korean food. And I remember making like shake and bake and apple dumpling. Apple dumpling, I remember so wow. vividly because this fresh apple, you put some, you know, like store-bought this pastry and you bake it and it's like this fragrant it smells so good too and I was very in, I, I think that got me into that I really want to cook I want to learn how to cook did you were you good with your hands and, and and have like a little bit of an artistic streak you know were you good at art I don't Is, think so I, interesting yeah I don't think I was like that talent yeah, like yeah. born talented or yeah. I was just genuinely interested so I took vocational school in high school. You went to a vote- vocational school. Cool. I did. And I went to CIA uh, three days after my high school graduation. I just wanted to get started. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Three days. You're living up in Poughkeepsie mm-hmm. or on the mm-hmm. campus of Hyde Park. Tell me about that experience. Did you make a lot of friends there at mm-hmm. CIA? Um, I met a lot of friends, but all, all my most of my classmates were a lot older. Mm. Because I think all the younger kids will be joining like two, three months after because they will be taking some time after high school graduate mm-hmm. or high school. But um, so I got to learn a lot from my peers as well because they had more experience. I was the youngest of, you know, youngest of them and met a lot of Korean chefs too. So tell me, uh, Joe, what was your experience in restaurants before you went to CIA? You you had the vocational training, but did you work at restaurants? I did. Um, my first, I worked three restaurants in high school. First one, Korean Chinese restaurant yeah. as a busser. And second one was at this, like a small, very old, like an inn that's been operating for 100 years very like local classic Bucks restaurant yep. yeah and i was also a busser there but the chef though they had two chefs um both of them graduated from cia and they're the one that gave me the recommendation letter to go to oh, cia cool. Good so for- i would 
go there on my weekends to like a stash in the kitchen. Um, I remember making like creme brulee, you know, basic stuff. And my senior year in high school, I worked at Bonefish Grill. Oh, cool. I was, <laughs> I was hoping that you would say a chain because, you know, Bucks County or anywhere outside of a major city, there's a lot of chain restaurants mm-hmm. and many of our most talented chefs and decorated chefs started at places like Applebee's at Bonefish. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what is Bonefish? You work in the line at Bonefish? I was the garmage. Garmage. So what's and that like? I'm so glad I've worked, I've experienced it because I, it's very intense. Like during mm-hmm. like Friday night, the ticket, it's really like rolling in, like just streaming in. Um, you make, I think like three salads and then also desserts. But I remember just busy and just wanting to be with the cool kids on the hot side. <laughs> but I was this high school young young girl. In the, in so the you salads. were working garmanger, but then there was like the the, the dudes or whoever working working hot. Mm-hmm. What were they like? What were these characters like? Were you, this was your first kind of kitchen experience. Mm-hmm. Is it the colorful cast of characters I would expect? We were friendly, but it was hard for me to get like become friends because they were also older than me. Mm -hmm. So, and I've worked maybe like four hours, a couple days a week because I was still in school. Yeah, I remember going there after class, working service, and my parents or my dad or my sister will pick me up. Yeah. And, uh... I all I wanted was to go home and eat like maybe like eat slice of kimchi or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were tired, I'm sure. Uh-huh. After a long day of school, doing mm-hmm. classwork, and then working mm-hmm. on the line at Bonefish, mm-hmm. I mean, it but it clearly formed this work ethic and also just it it really started to get you thinking about restaurant culture. Um, you graduate from CIA and you end up working for Thomas Keller mm-hmm. uh, for years. You worked uh, at a variety of, of jobs. But let's hear a little bit about what your time was with, with the TK group. Well, I spent a good, my early 20s to mid-20s at Per Se. Um, Heard of it? Pretty nice restaurant? Very. You know what's crazy? <laughs> that I still haven't eaten there. That's crazy. That is crazy. I don't eat out a lot. I want to eat there, but... Yeah. My, I have a small stomach. I'm like, yeah. I'm a little worried that what's going to happen to me if I go there. But yeah. I would love to go there one time. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, it's, it's much respect, but it's maybe not for everyone mm-hmm. eating that much mm-hmm. food for a tasting menu. Um, per se, was really good, really hard. I've learned so much. Um, I think I've learned how to work efficiently the most um you really need to build yourself discipline because as soon as you're clocked in and ready to go you need to know what you're doing for the whole day because you're it's just you fighting with the clock because there's so much things to prep and you're always constantly thinking okay what's what's next okay i have 10 minutes to do this and i have to move on to the next project so I became more organized yeah. um, with, with prepping. Um, and it sounds so cliche to say, but um, respecting the ingredients and not just the ingredient, but also the tools that you're using in the restaurant. I remember the sign that it has it on their office. It says, treat it as your own and maybe one day it'll be yours. Oh my, that's good. That's uh-huh. good advice. And it's not cliche coming from you. <laughs> it isn't. I mean, you're, you're being honest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so per se, I've 
grew so much. And after per se, I that's when I went to Momofuku. When you're t- talking about fighting the clock, it's an interesting idea because, you know, it's true. We, we all as home cooks think about the clock a lot, mm-hmm. you know, when we have a, to do a dinner party and got guests arriving in 90 minutes. But there's something got to be satisfying if you've beaten the clock, oh, if you've gotten sure. your work done. And then you get your marking your, okay, done, done, done. And in prep kitchen is that it, they have this thing, um, the sign reads sense of urgency. And I think it's so important and to, as a cook, to have that sense of urgency because you need it. Like you really need to push yourself, not just because you can get it done, but it's the way of hustle, you know, yeah. hustling. Is service at per se, I mean, prep is intense because there's so many dishes, but is service a little bit lighter or is service pretty intense? No, service is pretty intense too. <laughs> Wow, this career of yours, its it just amazes me when I talk to chefs like yourself. It's, you know, like the harder it is, I think the satisfaction after comes, it comes, it's more greater. Let's transition to, to kimbap because you, I was so honored to have you in Korea World and got to plug the book. I'm going to put in the show notes to pre-order. It's our book coming out next April. We write a profile of you, uh, Citizens of Korea World. You're one of our citizens, but you, uh, we worked on two recipes for kimbap. Let me ask you, what interests you in kimbap so much? Because Kawi had such a like a reputation for interesting kimbaps. I have to give full props to Chef Dave for pushing me to put kimbaps on the menu. Cool. Because, you know, when he first brought up the idea of kimbap, um, I thought it was cool, but I knew it's very labor-intensive, and I didn't know how I could incorporate in this big restaurant. So we ended up just making a kimbap section so we could have the whole station with like a four line cooks just dedicated with kimbaps and raw seafood. And just like the whole menu, I think kimbap, you know, like it's something that most of Koreans grew up eating. And nowadays, you know, there's a lot of like a chain kimbap restaurants in Korea, but back then, like, only time you eat kimbap are like the fun events, you know, like a picnic or field trip or birthdays because yeah. it's made by your mother. It's labor intensive. And for me to take that and to create my own, I almost saw it as a a blank canvas, basically. And what made sense to me, you know, it doesn't, it's maybe it's not traditionally Korean, but for me, it made sense to me. And in a way, with Kavi's food, it was me expressing myself through that. It's it's well said. And and I think as Americans, we we obviously have such a connection to Japanese maki rolls, right? Mm-hmm. We have such a, like, we know that we get them at gas stations. Mm-hmm. You know? So for a chef like yourself to, to say, well, there's a Korean version of mm-hmm. a rice roll, mm-hmm. um, but it's different. You mm-hmm. know, we're, t- we're using a lot of pickled uh, vegetables, we're using namul, seasoned vegetables. You're putting foie gras in some of them, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the rice is slightly different than a mm-hmm. traditional Japanese roll. Now, let me ask you, the question is, when diners come in and have a kimbap of yours, were they like, whoa, this is totally different? Or were they like, wow, this is like a version of uh, a Japanese rice roll? I think a lot of the guests weren't, no, didn't really know what kimbap was. I'm sure they thought, oh, it's like a sushi roll, you know. 
And we made sure one of our goal was to eliminate any Japanese word in our, on our menu. Yep. Um, because I think we're so used to using and, and it's so norm to use Japanese term like nori or kakigori. But there is the same thing in Korea and Koreans might use it differently or in a different style. And I really wanted to make sure that we are putting our foot down as a, this is a Korean restaurant, not Japanese Respect restaurant. Respect that. Thank you for doing that and saying that. Um, is there going to be a Joe Kimbap stand restaurant <laughs> chain, the sweet green version of Kimbap? You know, there are so many things that, well, now that I'm a private chef, I have, I do have more time. Um, there's a lot of concept that I want to do. Um, We'll see. I would love to. I do have some pop-ups coming up. Yeah, and like next week. Uh, Couple I, weeks? In end of November. Yeah, okay. End of November. I have one for this year. And I ha- my, I'm my i planning a couple starting next year. So we'll see. I definitely, definitely want to get back into the restaurant world. Um, I What's miss- a Joe Park pop-up like? I, you know what? Like for just because I don't have this one restaurant that I want to do, I thought it would be really fun to kind of do pop-ups in very different style of a restaurant and kind of work within that restaurant style. And I want to create my own kind of food with them. Uh, not with them, but like. Well, with their like larder, with their pantry, with like what they're kind of right. known for, but obviously making it Korean. Yep. So what are you doing? Um, this one, the menu I'm finalizing now, but you know, it'll be Korean for sure. Yeah. And there's going to be kimbaps. Um, I've been right now I'm working on barbecuing, which is really fun. Um, I want to do a lot of like smoked meats as well. Um, kind of similar to kawi, but more personal. I would say. Very cool. I love that you bring up smoked meat. We're, uh, we have a smoked short rib in Korea world um, inspired by Mong Tan barbecue and salt. Mm-hmm. So hay smoked, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. And I think it's been kind of like forgotten that you can actually smoke meat. And mm-hmm. most Korean restaurants are just straight marinated grilled or right. just grilling unmarinated meats. But smoking is why not? Mm-hmm. It's so good. It, did, it definitely adds that complexity. And I think Chef Dave... And Major Domo, they are they are doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, LA, it's definitely a, it's a spot you got to check out. Last question, I, I want to get into the life of a private chef. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know you can't say, obviously, who you're cooking for, where you're cooking, what city even. But, like, what is it like being a private chef for, I'm going to assume, a higher-earning person? Like, to have a private chef, you have to have certain means. For sure. To bring a chef that's been working in a restaurant serving a lot of people to their own personal chef, yes, you get paid a lot more. Um, The hours are better. Um, But the most interesting part or most thing that I've enjoyed so far is when you're chef at a restaurant, you're cooking with the food that you're familiar with and cooking with the food that you want to cook. Um, whereas private chefing, yes, you do have your vision to how to execute, but 
you know, mo- m- most likely it will be the food that they are asking you to make. And for me, <laughs> that's I, the problem sometimes. <laughs> for me, I've been very fortunate to work with a client that's very adventurous eater, and they are open-minded. So I got to experiment a lot of different proteins and seafood that I would never consider before. Mm. Um, so that's really fun. Um, Do you travel with the client? I've been to Hamptons, but yeah. I think when I first started with them, I wanted to be more based in New York City. Yeah. So they do travel, but I don't travel with them. That's good. It's smart. You mm-hmm. can actually have time to actually go to cool restaurants and travel <laughs> and have a life. Um, well, I want to hear more down the road about where you end up with this idea for a restaurant. Can we stay in touch? Can we have you back? Oh, of course. I would love to. Thank I, you so I much. Gotta, gotta, gotta do that. Gotta, gotta, gotta stay. You're one of our most talented chefs in New York. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's so true. And and just talking about you with other peers and the industry food writers and, and other chefs, they all agree. They love you. you have, you're such a talent. You're such a talent. On This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire Fast and Furious taste check. Are you ready? I'm ready. The best American breakfast food? Um, any classic diner food. I love diner. Um, bottomless coffee. Um, but my go-to order is Western omelet. Western omelet with extra jalapeno and cheese. <laughs> With hash browns and wheat toast. Joe, I'm going to say extra cheese for Western omelet. Such a key order. What do you think about like the hard, because usually Western omelet is like hard cooked. You like it then? Oh, yeah. I, I love the the golden, the regular <laughs> fried omelet. I, I'm all down. It's so cool that you're into that because I feel like most chefs are like, I want my eggs to be the Jacques Pepin omelet, the, the silky omelet. I mean, I do love the silky omelets with the truffle <laughs> shaped, but you know, oh, like geez, every baller. day... Hard, hard fried omelets are very delicious too. The best Korean breakfast food. One of my favorite breakfasts when I was living in Korea is the street toast. Um, it's a white toast toasted in margarine with shaved cabbage, little slice of ham, egg, and they always have this like sweet spicy sauce dri- drizzled inside and it's so delicious. It might be... Grape jelly. Oh, I heard something about kiwi too. Gilgari toast. Mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing it wrong, right? No, Gilgari. You're Gil- good. Gilgari good. toast. Uh-huh. We have a recipe in Korean. Oh, world. you do. Hyping up my book. Yeah, we have a little bit of strawberry jelly. Oh, that I've heard, but it's so good. I think it works really good. I make it for family meal when I was working in a restaurant, but um, when I'm hungover. <laughs> yeah, I love sundegok. Sundegok oh. is the yeah. the blood sausage soup. Yep, yep. sundegok. Delicious. Mm, so good. The best dessert. See, this is very hard because I'm I have the sweetest tooth and I love all dessert. But if I had to pick one, is donut count as dessert? Well, you know what? No. No, it's I a, feel it's, it's not. It's a snack or a breakfast item. I'm sorry. How about I, the Korean donuts? The hot-duck? the sweet, the sticky. Have you had the, the round? Not hot dogs. Something different. Yeah, sweet rice filled with a mm. red bean and it's deep fried and coated in sugar. Totally. It's kind of like the guabegi, the twisted donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get but it. that sounds like a great dessert. If do I mean if donut doesn't count, I'm gonna say fresh fruit. I'm kidding, <laughs> of course. Donut does count. It's a great call. Your favorite American fast food chain. Um. 
if Waffle House was close to me, I would go there every day. <laughs> See, like, this is where my love for diner comes. Joe, there's like a million diners that could use a better menu in New York's tri-state area. Mm-hmm. Like, I could name six of them on the drive home. <laughs> so, in Jersey in particular, I'm just saying. Just- oh, yeah. I have two diners that I would love to check out in Jersey. Jersey diners are... Top's the, Diner? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I've never been, but I know that place. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. And there's one more that I forgot. Yeah, uh, Jersey is the place for diners. Mm-hmm. New York is not, is not the place. Um, your favorite Korean fast food chain? Pinkberry. Yeah, absolutely. We, we still have one on 32nd Street here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's truly the best. Have you been to Mother's Touch Fried Chicken? Oh, the one in Korea? Yeah. No, I haven't. But I've actually ordered a lot of this... Fried chicken, you know, it's interesting. Like in Korea, they, a lot of chain restaurants, they serve fried they fried chicken and pizza together. Or pizza and sweet spaghetti together. That's not, yes, I know that. that uh-huh. I've, I've tried that. That's that's not, no bueno for me, personally. <laughs> but yeah, you see chicken and pizza together. Like Mother's Touch has the both of them. They're the deep dish pan. Mm. But I, I think the pizza's fine. But the, man, the, the chicken's good for fast food. Oh, mom's touch. I should check it it's out. Good, it's good. It's good. Couple more. Ooh, this is this is a tough one. Your favorite Korean dish homemade. Homemade category. Um, you know, like it's really true. Anything my mom makes, um, I would say the namur she makes, the ones that my grandma sends, it's yeah. truly so good. So good. Mm-hmm. Your favorite Korean dish. Restaurant dish. That's very easy for me. Um, naengmyeon. I love yeah. naengmyeon. And I think it's kind of a dish that you should just go out to eat <laughs> in a proper really restaurant. Hard. It's so hard. So question, bibim naengmyeon or mu naengmyeon? I, I like both, but my yeah. go-to is Pyongyang naengmyeon. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. The northern style, north, style, north Korean style. So it's very delicate and just... Just delicious. Your favorite cookbook of all time? My mom has this cookbook. It's a Korean author. Her name is Chang Sun-yong. Um, and I think the title is called like A Letter to My Daughter-in-Law. Mm. Um, and it's like a very small brown book. It's so old that, you know, they're all like falling apart. And I don't, there's not many photos, but it's a story. It's actually like a basically a letter. And she's talking about, because I think she also lived in States or outside of Korea for a while. And she was homesick. And that's how she became uh, this home cook mm. and eventually publishing a cookbook. And she wanted her daughter-in-law to have this, a book as here, this like, you know, my, all my secrets. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, I'd love to get a translation or just mm-hmm. to talk to you I more I think about her that. second book has English translation. That's amazing. Uh-huh. I'd love to, I'm going to seek that out. Do you have a favorite recent cookbook discovery? Um, I just purchased JP's, the Korean cookbook. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's brilliant and it's a very good cookbook for anyone to read and learn about Korean culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, not because I'm on it, I cannot wait to read Korea World. Oh, well, you know, thank you for that. 
I mean, I got lucky to preview some of it, and I I cannot wait. Yeah, you were so good. really nice to write a blurb for it, and and back to JP's book. I love that book too mm-hmm. from Fiden. That that's a, I mean, it's very different from our book, and I think it's it's just such a encyclopedic almost uh-huh, look at Korean uh-huh. cooking, and especially from a professional point of view, it's really interesting to see how he views so many classic dishes. Mm-hmm, very cool, mm-hmm. very cool book. Um, your favorite vegetable? Garlic. Yeah. Garlic. Um. I like to eat it raw, roast. You know, it's it adds nice complex flavor. The raw garlic flavor, especially, makes it very Korean yeah. to a lot of dishes. So, do you think about garlic where you know it comes from? We've got Northern California, of course, is known for garlic, but then there's like Vietnam and China has garlic too. Do you, do you think about that? No, actually, I'm not familiar. Yeah. So I only know the basic garlic. Well, we, most of them don't have like tags on them where they're from. Mm-hmm. It's just like what you get at like, mm-hmm. Mart or mm-hmm. at, you know, Wegmans. Um, I asked because I don't know either. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like wondering if you think about that way. Well, I when I was working in Korea, um, I learned that when they harvest the garlic, they put it in a like a sag and they age it they dry it totally because I didn't know that you had to dry or age the garlic before eating it because like when you eat it right away when it's fresh it's very hard to peel and it's almost has like a bitter aftertaste so I think it's really cool because like you know garlic it lasts really long time Mm -hmm. too and I think the flavor actually mellows when the longer it's like almost like dry (laughs) Perfect. I yeah. perfectly said because, you know, you get garlic and you're peeling it and it's like super sticky. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a little, can be a little bit too young. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if, and you can feel it, the astringency, your hands smell extremely pungent. Um, I like a little aged garlic myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Last one, your favorite sandwich. Italian hoagie. Oh my goodness. So do you put mayonnaise on it? Is it with? I put both. Mayonnaise. Um, mayonnaise and oil and vinegar. I like yeah. to, I ask little mayo on the bread and everything. I want every garnish, lettuce, tomato, onion, hot cherry peppers, oil, vinegar, oregano, pepper. Boom. I love this sandwich. <laughs> so many more things to talk about. I love having you in the studio. Thank you, Unjo Park, for joining the This Is Taste. Thank you so much. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you, Matt. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 